Hello, I'm Fern Cotton, and this is Happy Place, the show that encourages you to lay your soul bare. Today, I'm meeting Matt Willis. Everything about me is some way linked to addiction. In one way or another, everything that I do, I find myself tracing it back to some kind of drink or drug problem or a new addiction which I picked up. Matt has had an unbelievably varied career, shooting to fame in the early noughties as the bassist in Busted, before going on to make solo music, perform in musical theatre, act on TV, be crowned king of the I'm a Celebrity Jungle and now host a podcast called On The Mend where he chats to people about their addictions. We've obviously had his gorgeous wife Emma on the podcast before, God I love Emma, but this was the first time I got to sit down with Matt for a proper deep chat at our Happy Place Festival in Tatton Park. We talked about loads of stuff. The moment he realised drugs and alcohol were no longer serving him, learning to take responsibility for his actions and reactions, and the shame that can engulf you if you relapse. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's a beautiful chat. Let's do it. Here's the show. I just sort of followed you oh in. Oh, my God, what a beautiful fairy tale moment. Hi, mate. Oh, Matt. Yeah, I released them backstage when I came on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Matt, welcome. Hi. This is our lovely audience. Hello, everyone. Hi. Get a good weekend. Um, yeah. They're it's really nice, lovely. isn't it? It's a lovely, lovely atmosphere. You've obviously been to so many festivals over the years. This is a bit different. And I felt a bit more nervous walking out to this stage than normal. Um, walking out to a festival somewhere without an instrument. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> instrument to hide there. behind. Laid there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just going to be a lovely chat with these beautiful people here. It's all good vibes, and there's so many things that I want to talk to you about because we've known each other for a very, very long time. Yeah. I do believe I was the first person to interview you. You were our first television interview. Yeah. I remember it well because um, it was uh, what was it on C- CBBC? CBBC. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was about 18, 19, I think. And then we just were about to release what I got to school for, I think. And we came on and we were like, oh, my God, phone's interviewing us. Oh. <laughs> and it was a real kind of moment. We were like, wow, we're in TV world. How weird. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Back in the day, you had so many TV shows that you could go on when you were promoting music. So you were literally thrown in to this wild scene of going on TV shows where millions of people were watching. You know, kids' TV shows on the weekends, because there was only four channels, Everyone was watching, so you were really yeah. thrust into this crazy world. Obviously, you'd been at drama school, uh, was it performing arts yes, school beforehand? Yeah. Um, but it's a huge transition to go from the safety of that into that 
absolute madness. How did you cope at such a young age with that? Um, I think at the beginning, if I'm honest, it was kind of all, um, I couldn't really believe it was happening. You know, when I think about the beginning of Busted, like, I remember doing our first video shoot, and um, like we wrote those songs on acoustic guitars in James's bedroom, as kind of like, really, because we couldn't get in any other band. We tried and auditioned for many bands and couldn't get in. And so me and James were kind of the outcasts and we just started our own little thing. And so we kind of wrote these songs, not really expecting what to do with them. We were hoping to kind of play some gigs in South End or kind of there was one club in South End that we really wanted to play in. And um, before we know it, we got signed, it was all kind of going on. And we turned up to the video shoot and there was about a hundred people there and like cameras and lights and they rented this old like disused school. I was like, wow, this is so much more than I thought it was going to be, you know. And, um, and I think from then on, I never really ever really got a moment to take it in. You know, it kind of always kind of, um, it was always about the next thing. Yeah. You know, as soon as you've got something out, it's always about, well, don't count your chickens because this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. Everything can go wrong at any moment. And it was always on my mind, I think. It was kind of like, well, this is going to end soon. So kind of like, just enjoy it as much as possible. But I don't think I ever really did. I think I was always kind of very much kind of, waiting for it to self-destruct, mm. which it eventually did. But, you know, it was kind of, um, it, was, it, it was much more kind of um, mesmerizing than enjoyable at times. So when Busted dissipated, did you then have that moment of what the hell has just happened over the last however many years? Did you then start to process everything you'd been through? Yeah, I think so. I think so, in not very healthy ways, really. But it was, um, kinda, it kind of hit me, I, I think, with Busted, I kind of, um, I was always very nervous, very uncomfortable, very kind of self-conscious person. And I kind of came up with this, um, this character within Busted who I played, who was kind of this kind of like, ah, Matt from Busted guy, <laughs> you know? And like in every photo you'd see, I was kind of doing a funny face or something because I felt uncomfortable. I didn't really know what to do or kind of who to be. So I kind of created this kind of guy who was Matt from Busted. And then when Busted was removed, I was like, right, well, who the hell am I? You know, mm. kind of, um, and that really hit me, you know, and, um, and I don't think I really had an answer for a very long time. And what ways, obviously, I've, I've, you've talked about this very openly, you're using destructive yeah. ways and alcohol at times, I'm guessing, yeah. to, to numb that feeling. But how did you start to work out who am I? What do I like? How do I want to present myself to the world? What was that process? I think alcohol and drugs really served a fantastic purpose for me. The end of it was horrible, but at the time when I first started to, to use those things, they, they did for me what I couldn't do for myself. They kind of gave me a, a way to be um, the life and soul of the pie, the kind of person that I think people wanted me to be and kind of and liked me being around, you know, and, like, and suddenly people wanted me to be at the party and wanted me to come to their thing or their show and kind of, and I was amazed by that. And so it kind of really, and and I felt relaxed and calm and kind of like ready to kind of be in those environments when without those things, I was terrified and kind of, and filled with self-hatred and dread and, and all these kind of emotions. And so, but I'd, I had a drink or I had some drugs of many kinds and they kind of, they kind of gave me something, this kind of, they, um, you know, they called it Dutch courage and all these kind of things, but they really did serve a purpose for me until they didn't. You know, and suddenly I was the one that people didn't want at their party or I'd stayed a bit too long at the party, you know, and, um, and that kind of, um, that, that didn't really hit me for many years, I think. I'm, I think, when I think back to those moments, people had kind of pulled me aside at multiple times and kind of, you know, big kind of people who I thought 
very much of, kind of pulled me aside at many times ago, Matt, I think you have a bit of a problem here. But I'd never really, um, I always kind of batted it off. You know, I was always like, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good, this is great. It's kind of the lifestyle I want to lead. And, um, and, and, and it was serving me until suddenly I was running out of those people. You know, those kind of, those kind of influential forces, which I think you only have so many get-out-of-jail-free cards, I think. And I was kind of very close to using them all up. You know, I tried lots of different things to kind of, to kind of stop and kind of um, and step away from these kind of lives. And I don't think many of them really worked until I had a kid. And um, when I had Isabel, it was a real moment of looking at this baby and kind of going, wow, I'm, I'm going to be a terrible father. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and it really... Um, it really hit me, and it still does, you know, because that moment of you know who you are. You know, you can't hide from it anymore. And you can't hide from it in front of this little thing, you know, because whatever you do, you're, you're going to repeat the, the patterns of the past. You're going to repeat what you've been through. You're going you're gonna to redo that circle, you know. You're gonna, and, um, and it all kind of hit me at once, and I was like, right, I, I'm, I'm not willing to be that. You know, so I'm um, I'm gonna try and ask for help. You know, and, and I and I did ask for help from many different people, and I was given it freely, and it was um it was a beautiful thing, and it kind of um it took a while. I kind of fell off the wagon many many times, you know, but um I always knew that I just had to get back on, you know, and I was and I was allowed to, you know, I was allowed to make mistakes, and they and they happen, and they and they, you know, I think um we can get into a lot of kind of shame cycles with these kind of things you know and i think um i think relapse is one of those things where sometimes you're even scared to say you've done it because you're scared of the of the of letting people down or the bullshit you tell yourself is laid bare in front of you yeah. and i think um and i think that can cause lots of shame but actually the first thing you have to do is admit it and talk about it and then you can really kind of address what that was why that happened what was going on in your life that kind of steered you to that moment and um, yeah. find some kind of solution. I think talking about those feelings, that's the only way you can get rid of shame. Yeah. Shame breeds from secrecy, doesn't it? It gets bigger and more magnified mm. the more you keep it private. And yeah. it's just, that's a terrible road to go down. So I think as hard as it is, to reach out to ask for help or to talk to someone about these things. Yeah. Now, I, I haven't had problems with alcohol and drinks myself, but I had exactly the same when I was recovering from bulimia. And if I relapsed there, I'd feel mortified, ashamed. I didn't, it was a secret again, didn't want to tell anyone. Yeah. But as soon as you do, that relief like, it alleviates so much stress, being able to say those words out loud. Yeah. And also know that so many people have been through these things and want you to get better, and they know that that's also going to, in turn, help them to get better. Yeah. Like you've just said, when you did reach out, the help was there. Yeah. We don't always imagine that's going to be the case. And it's a wonderfully surprising thing to go, people want to help. Yeah, com completely. You know, a friend of mine's here today. I've, I've caught up with him, and um, I remember going out for dinner with two of my friends. Um, like, I was about kind of three or four months clean. And we were out to dinner, and I was like, you guys can have a drink, you know, like, don't, don't feel that you can't. I'm fine with it. They were like, it's a Tuesday night, Matt. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't really want to. And I was like, what? They were like, wait, what do you mean? You don't drink all the time. They were like, no, you fucking forced us to. You know? <laughs> I, was really, I was like, oh, right, okay. Oh, you're normal. How's that? 
know, <laughs> Tell you me know, about normal. Yeah, exactly. How do I do that? You know, so it was, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, th there's so much about, so much to do with addiction, which is, which is so internal, you know, and so much is, is kept inside. And, and those secrets just build up and build up and build up until they can't be held in anymore, you know, and or they just destroy you, mm. you know. And the, I think that the thing with, with being open and, and talking about these things and kind of getting rid of that shame about it, because lots of people struggle with everything, right? Lots of people struggle with so many things that like life is really fucking hard really hard yeah you know and that's not that's not going to change you know like so finding ways to deal with that that aren't completely self-destructive and and turn your life into a shambles has got to be better and i think that's that's about talking about it and opening up and kind of going this is this is okay this happens to everyone you know at different times in different things it can manifest in so many different ways you know that's what i'm finding out with addiction is that i no longer drink or take drugs but i am an i'm i do so many things addictively mm. you know and they can manifest in so many weird ways you know sometimes wonderful sometimes fucking terrible <laughs> you know and i'm and i really have to check them and go oh what's this what am i using that for mm. what's that serving why am i what am i trying to kind of use that to change the way i feel you know so do you have a bit of an internal gauge that goes oh that's tipped into something extreme some sometimes sometimes it's my wife who, who can very knowingly tell me matt what's that you know and um and 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 you know i think but that that's the thing i think it's about um the more you the, the more you kind of do in this kind of stuff in kind of addiction based therapy especially is is about kind of owning who you are and kind of like and i think that's the problem because for so long i was i was so ashamed and kind of scared about telling anybody what my life was like or, or what I was going through or what had kind of happened to me and kind of and, and scared to talk about drink and drugs especially because I was scared that if I relapsed I'd be like ah you know you're full of shit you yeah. know when actually you know it's an ongoing thing it's an ongoing thing I don't it's every think, day it's every day you know and like um and in in certain places I've been I hear people say I'm a very grateful recovered addict or whatever and I'm like I'm not recovered you know how do I do that yeah you know, and um, and I think that's the thing about recovery is 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 it's an ongoing process. It's about kind of checking in with yourself all the time, kind of finding finding moments where you can go, okay, what am I doing right now? What do I want? And what am I doing that's stopping me from doing that? And sometimes that's I do that quite often at the moment. Like I've got a little journal and I sit down and I go, right, what are my goals? What are my aspirations? What do I want from certain things? And what's the one thing I'm doing that's holding me back? And um, that's a really hard question to ask because the answer is awful most of the time. <laughs> you know, would, the it, would it usually, I know it's probably different for everyone, but would it normally relate to um, self-loathing or a self-esteem issue that's holding you back from doing something? Yes, very, very often that is the thing. Mm. You know, um, I don't do certain things because I'm scared that I won't be able to. Yeah. And if I put it out there, then I won't be able to fulfill and that will hurt me. You know, rather than it's it's not necessarily about letting other people down. Then it's about me not being able to do what I want to do, and that's and that's really hard, you know, yeah. to kind of own up to. And um, but I think that that's the thing. Like the more life goes on, I kind of realise I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, I don't with, think with, with a lot do, of things. Do exactly. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Exactly, but that's okay. Yeah, right? it's great. It's, like, it's okay to know that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Go, actually. 
I don't have a fucking clue no. what I'm doing or what I'm doing, but I'm going to have a go. And I think it is better it. because when you think you know, you get really rigidly stuck in one frame of mind. This is the route I'm going on, and yeah. that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I certainly didn't plan to do any of this happy place stuff. It was all a massive accident because I was in a low place, and I'm glad that I felt like I really didn't know what the hell I was doing because I wouldn't have been open otherwise to go down other paths. So I think it's the best place of acceptance to land on. I haven't got a clue. And I don't know anything. Yeah. I don't know a thing. Yeah. I know nothing. And I'm willing to learn. He's exactly. I think that's what's so great. Right? Yeah. Is that as soon as you kind of say that, you can kind of go, oh, okay. Well, then I need to make some kind of plan. Yeah. You know, and whatever that is. And sometimes your plan's shit, right? And I've made lots of shit plans. But by following through with those shit plans, you know, even if it's a shit plan, if you stick to it, something happens. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And like, and then there's a shit can, outcome. There's a shit outcome. <laughs> but you can learn from that shit outcome and go, oh, right, okay, my plan was shit. Right, how do I make a better plan? Exactly. Like, or a slightly less shit plan. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, then it's like, right, okay, cool, we'll do this for a while. Yeah. And, like, and I, think, I think that's with a lot of things. Like, if you stick to something, something will happen. Mm. It might not be what you expected, but something will happen. It's better than doing nothing. Exactly. It's better than doing nothing. I'm very interested in, and I'm sure this again is a, is a daily thing, but mm. when you first decide to stop using drugs and alcohol to yeah. either numb, distract, whatever the reason is you're doing it, you obviously are met with a lot. You're met with your past and, and having to look at it and deal with it. You're met with things that you've already touched on, self-loathing, feeling uncomfortable in certain scenarios, certainly social scenarios. Yeah. That's, it's a very sort of big moment of exposure. It's huge and it's very terrifying and I'm sure that you felt extremely vulnerable in those moments. But how do you now meet yourself, look at your past, look at your own moments of self-loathing, look at your discomfort in certain situations and how do you, you move through them? Um. When I first, the first time I went to a rehab center, um, they said there was lots of stuff around, lots of like messaging around, and I, and I hated all of it, and, and, and I was really kind of against it, and I didn't take any of it in, and I was literally there so that people would get off my back, right? And I was like, go to rehab, because that's the thing you do, and you can come out, you can be good for a couple of weeks, and you can kind of slip back into your life, you know? And then, and then I ended up back there. <laughs> And then I ended up back there again. Then I ended up back there again. And on the fourth time I was there, I looked around and things started to make sense to me. And I read these things and I was like, all right, someone's got something which I want. You know, what is that? What is that thing that I don't have that I think that I maybe am drawn to by these people who are talking to me or whatever it is. And, um, and I think, you know, for, for so long, all I wanted to do was stop taking drugs. That was my number one goal. And I think that's a really good goal if you're a drug addict. You know, it's kind of go, right, okay. That's a good you, plan. It's a good plan, right? That's not a shit plan. That's it's a good, good plan. plan. You know, and um, so that was my number one goal, right? And then I kind of did that. And I was like, right, okay, I no longer take drugs on a daily basis. I no longer drink when I wake up. These are good things, right? So then, oh, no, now I'm left with me, like you said. And I'm like, what do I do about that? Oh, well, maybe I need to address why I feel this way and why I, why I react this way to certain situations. Why, um, for me, a big one is when I feel rejected in any slight little mm -hmm. way, why do I react so terribly to that? You know, and what is the root cause of that? The, the, the words on the, wall, on the wall were like prayer and meditation. And I kind of dismissed that. I was like, I don't believe in religion, I don't believe in all that stuff. You know, like meditation, that's for other people. 
and slowly but surely those things started to like call to me you know and um and that has been the number one biggest thing that has changed my reaction to situations is a little moment to myself to breathe to kind of steady myself to kind of find some kind of gap between emotional response reaction you know and that little breath is all it takes yeah and that's so powerful but it took me so long to find that yeah you know but when you actually can and all it took was me committing to it you know which is so hard to do because you do it for a couple of days you're like it's just bullshit yeah can't bother you know, can't bother this is so hard it's like my brain's too active yeah you know, that's okay you know that's okay your brain is active that's his fucking job yeah you're alive like, exactly you're alive like, you know <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a good thing you know but like that, those kind of things have been really really important to me and i think and more and more like that like i i sometimes take four or five breaks a day now you know and like and i breathe and i do different things and i've got this many different routines that i follow that just allow me to have that oh hello mate oh my god there's a wasp literally on your hello. face hello. go away hello He's telling me to stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Not, please keep talking. Take, telling me to take a breath. Well, I saw you um, on Instagram the other day saying this, that you'd had a stressful moment trying to use some software, and normally yeah. your reaction might be, oh, I saw this, I'm over it. But actually, you took yourself, you did the breathing exercises. You're in a different mindset. Completely. You know, and, and, I, and I think that's the thing, because um, you know, a, bad, a bad morning can lead to a bad day, and a bad yeah. day can lead to a bad week, and a bad week can lead to all sorts of horrible shit. You know, so having that kind of moment to go, okay, cool. This is something that you're dealing with. This is not necessarily other people's problems. This is yours. You know, and having that ownership and actually going, this isn't really what's happened to you. This is the way you're reacting to it, which is, it's responsibility at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, it's it? humbling though, isn't it? Because so you have humbling. to go, oh God, like I even end up sort of boring myself in those moments. Like, yeah. am I doing that again? <laughs> am I really reacting yeah. like this again? Like I'm yeah. 12, like it's just so ridiculous. But I think it is, the pause is the most important thing to, mm. to have that self-awareness, to look at, oh, like for you, I think it's probably the same for me. One of my root fears is rejection, is yeah. people not liking me, not wanting me around and yeah. how I cope with that, have my own emotional independence in those moments. It's really hard, but I think, if you've got something that works for you, and yours is now these breathing techniques or a meditation, yeah. Yeah. it can be anything. I think it could be a hobby or whatever it is, but if you've got that moment to pause, mm. you, you take control of your own life. Com completely. Mm. And I think that's, and that's, that's exactly it. And I think it's about, um, you know, for me, I've always been really scared of responsibility. You know, I've, I've hated that because I didn't feel very responsible, you know, and I was always like, worried about letting people down. When actually, when you step up and you take responsibility, you know, and that's sometimes about taking responsibility for the way you act. You know, for me, I'm speaking to myself, I'm not preaching, I'm speaking to myself when I'm speaking out loud here. Matt, don't react that way. <laughs> you know, but um, it's, um, uh, for me, it's about, um, I am responsible for what, for what I say and I do, you know, to a certain degree. You know, um, drinking drugs was a point in my life where I had no control over that. And that was really, that was really difficult to stop and difficult to step away from. But now without that, I actually do have complete control over my, my thoughts and my reactions and my, and my responsibilities in life. And I take them quite seriously, a bit too seriously sometimes. Mm. You know, but um, but those, those moments of kind of going, okay, cool, you're reacting badly to this. What's that coming from? You know, and kind of, and, and, and therapy has been a big thing for me. Kind yeah. of like owning it. I mean, there's some things which I still haven't addressed. You know, I'm kind of a bit scared too at times, you know, because I'm like, things are going pretty well. Yeah. Don't open Pandora's box. Yeah. You know, which is a worrying thing, you know, but I'm like, well, things are going pretty well. 
what if I opened Pandora's box? How well would they go? Yeah. You know, because I've only seen benefits from that. I've not seen any negatives. It's been hard and it's sometimes really hard to go through, but only positives have happened from that. I think that's a really important point to make because I was doing a, a, a talk in another little tent earlier and, um, and we were having a, a similar discussion about wanting to get to the place where you're like, oh, I'm done, I'm all fixed. Cool, let's just yeah. then enjoy the rest of life. Whereas I think my learning over the last, I don't know, five years of diving quite deeply into all this stuff is, this is every day forever. Yeah. No one really wants to hear that or yeah. say that out loud, <laughs> yeah. but it yeah. sort of is. Absolutely. This is every yeah. day forever. Yeah. And there'll be really good moments, like you say, where you work through something and it's hard, but then something beautiful comes out of it. Yeah. Or there'll be moments that feel like a bit of a, you know, a trudge through something, but you will end up peeling back more layers and understanding yourself better. And yeah. we're certainly not looking to fix ourselves to be this perfect human, has no flaws, everything just runs smoothly, which is a completely unrealistic goal. I think makes most of us give up before we've even started. Like, oh, what's the yeah. point? I could never... I could never sort this out. But equally, like yesterday, we were talking to Dr. Chatterjee, who said, very much linked to what you're saying, we often go, oh, this is just how I am. Like, I am just, and you'll apply a trait to yourself, I am just overly reactive or angry or super sensitive. But you've just proved, by telling your story, you can change. You can yeah. change how you react to things, what your emotional response to outside situations are. And that is liberating, but there has to be the hard work bit. It's hard work. Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. You know, I think it's all, it's, it, it's a daily reprise. Yeah. You know, meditation. Every day. It's like, it's, it's every day, you know. Because, <laughs> it is. And without it, and, and when I don't do it for a day, I miss it. You know, when I don't do it for two days, I have to really have a check for myself, you know, because, um, you know, and so I try to do that every day. You know, I think when, when I first came into, into recovery, I was like, well, I have to fiddle these things all the time. You know, I have to do this stuff every day. I was like, can't you just, you know, give me something, fix me, you know, which I really wanted. Yeah. I really wanted to kind of like just take something and everything be okay. Yeah. I tried that a lot. Didn't work. Just made things worse. But kind of doing these things every day, and I can still be a dick, you know, like a lot, you know, and um, <laughs> you know, like, like a lot. But um, but like I can I can kind of notice those and kind of go okay right you're, you're a self-aware dick you're, I'm a self-aware dickhead you know so uh, that's the best which kind. is better than just I being think. a dickhead yeah you know? much better so, yeah it's much better right no, yeah. but this is what this is all about <laughs> I I can be a right bitch sometimes or I can get very angry I can be hmm. horrible like let's not all pretend anyone stood on this stage today we're here to tell everybody what to do so it's all perfect yeah. no. We haven't got a clue. We've already yeah. specified that yeah. earlier. We're merely here to be honest. And, and that's why I really appreciate everything you're saying today, because it isn't about fixing ourselves to become the perfect person where there are no flaws, hurdles in life, etc. It's looking for shared tools and techniques so we can all cope a little better. But yeah. I do think learning those tools is part of it, but discipline is a huge part of it. And it, discipline isn't the sort of sexiest word, is it? It's like everyone's like, oh, not discipline. I don't want to yeah, do discipline. Can't it just be like once a year or like you've just said this one thing and I'm fixed? Yeah. But it's an ev it, this is everyday stuff. And, it, and it, yeah. a discipline is a huge part of that. Yeah. And even those things that are the one thing, you know, like you do one thing and you're like, oh, that's changed me. But all it's done is open up other opportunities to yeah. find things. Like, like I said, all I wanted to do was stop taking drugs and I thought I'd be okay. You know, but I stopped taking drugs and I was like, fuck, who the, 
what do I do now? <laughs> There's more. You know, my God, I've got to look at this. I've yeah. got to look at this. I've got to look at my health. I've got to look at relationships that I have that I've maybe destroyed or really hurt from my past actions. How do I fix those? How do I, how do I show the people that I'm going to be available for them? Well, I guess doing that also, I, I'm imagining this has been an important part of it. Mm. Looking at, say we're, say we're talking about relationship dynamics, looking at that situation with compassion for yourself, because you've got that self-awareness, mm. and you can go, oh, I know I messed up that friendship, or whatever it was, or I reacted, because I was trying to cope, or I was defending myself from rejection, or whatever it might be. Yeah. I think the only way we can do that, rather than beating ourselves up, oh, I'm such an idiot for ruining that relationship, or whatever it is, is to, is to apply self-compassion when we're looking at moments where we have made, we've all made mistakes, where we've made mistakes, or where things haven't turned out as we would have hoped. I think we have to have self-compassion to do that well. Has that come easily? Um, it doesn't come as easily to me. Um, I, I can be quite hard on myself mm. quite a lot. Do you know what I've noticed over the last two years? I used to think I was quite good at being chill. I'm terrible at being chill. <laughs> like, I am terrible. I'm, I can't sit still. I can't watch TV. I can't really do any of the stuff that kind of normal people do. Normal people. <laughs> you know, but people do, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm just not very good at that. And I thought, oh, I have to be good at that. I have to be good at normal shit. But I'm not. And I'm like, actually, that's okay because yeah. I'm good at other shit. You know, so I'm like, I'm going to really focus on the other stuff. And that kind of stuff, I don't think I'll ever be good at, you know, like, which is, I had a bit of a, just before lockdown, I kind of got diagnosed with adult ADHD. And I kind of, um, it was um, a really, it was a really hard moment for me because I didn't believe in it. I thought that was just another word for lazy, you know, for me. You know, and I know that's wrong, and I'm sorry for saying that out loud, but that's... No, it's I, a very honest approach to it. That's what I thought. I was like, this is just another word that they call lazy people, and I'm just a lazy person. That's what they're saying. So getting that diagnosis and kind of, like, finding out a bit more about that, and the, the person who diagnosed me saying I was the easiest diagnosis he'd ever made in his life... Wow. You know, was like, all right, okay. I, maybe I get need it. To, I maybe mm. need to look at that, right? But suddenly, going through this kind of mourning period, which was really strange, kind of going, oh, my God, if I'd known this... When I was a kid, like things could be different. I would have paid attention at school. Would have been such a fucking dropout. Would have done this, and feeling all this kind of like remorse and 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 more self hatred for it. Actually, it became liberating, and I was like, "All oh, right, okay, what do I do about this, and how do I address this?" And those things that I was saying, these things that I can't chill, or I can't sit still, or I can't, I can't stay on something I don't like very much. You know, that's okay because I'm, and I'm never going to be good at that, which is like. That's, all, that's actually quite freeing. Yeah, you know yourself. I know myself. I'm like, well, I think it's so interesting, like, looking at, um, you know, some people will love being diagnosed with a label, and some people will not react well to that. And mm. I think there's no wrong or right to it. Yeah. But it can be liberating in the sense that you go, oh, I, I understand myself. I know why I do this, this, or this. It's, yeah. it's, there's a root cause to this, and understanding your own childhood. And I think there's so much more I would like to explore within sort of looking at ADHD and adult diagnosis, because so many people I know in the last 12 months, probably due to having, you know, a bit of time to think about it over the pandemic, yeah. have been diagnosed recently, and it has been liberating to yeah. have well, the resources to understand more about it, to mm. understand yourself, and to know the situations to put yourself in, the ones to, to completely avoid. I think it's, yeah. it's freeing. It, it is really freeing, and it also opens up a whole new kind of kettle of fish for me because it was like, right, well, I'm an addict and I can't really, 
I can't really go near any medication, so what do I do about this? You know, what do I find ways to kind of deal with this? You know, it was kind of a really kind of like, it was a moment of real torment for me in a way to kind of go, right, well, I need to get this right. I need to get fucking ADHD right. Mm. Like, do I? You know, <laughs> no. no, I don't need to get it right. You know, I'm like, it's all right. It's okay. You know, like, that's me and that's fine. You know, but that actually now the one thing that's changed, changed my life because of that is a fucking list. Yeah. Simple as a list. I right? love a list. My I mean, wife look loves at me. a list. Look you at know. my Virgo yeah. notepad. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. But like having a list and making it achievable and oh. easy to do, and that's all I have to do today is do that. It makes Anything me feel extra, like great. excited. Like I've sketched such. <laughs> I have different colour pens. This is my purple pen for when I <laughs> highlight certain sections of my interviews. I lists for me and on paper mm. is absolutely the key. A absolutely to on paper, not on my phone. No, no. I, I kind of on my phone. Paper. On paper every day. Oh, it's heaven. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Going back to addiction, there's something that I'm, I'm keen to understand, and that is we in the modern world celebrate lots of things in quite a warped way, which hopefully we're addressing this weekend for myself alongside lots of other people. We get addicted to things en masse that seemingly are celebrated, like working, yeah. or even it could be something like exercise, and we're going, oh, it's amazing, you do loads of exercise, it's amazing, you work relentlessly, and it's like, is that a good, is that a good thing? How do you know whether you've tipped into addiction when it's something that is quite seemingly positive or celebrated, like work or exercise, and, and how might you try and address the balance? Um, that's a problem for me. Right. I, I don't quite have that answer. I don't have the balance yet. Like, um, I, exercise was a big thing for me. Like, when I found it, because um, I didn't have that in my life, and then I found it and I became completely and utterly addicted to it. And it was great because everything about it was positive. And then it became a problem where if I didn't or something got in the way of it, it triggered me and I became angry or upset. And it was, um, and then I was trying to make up for things or, you know, food was a problem for me and I'd try and outwork it from exercise and all these kind of things. And that still is a bit of an issue for me sometimes. But I do have, I have a few, a few things where one, is it getting in the way of my relationships? which is a big thing for me because a lot of things can get in the way of my relationships with the people I love. Is work becoming so much that it's getting in the way of my relationship? Or does that need to happen right now so that I can have this period of time where I can be present as long as that period of time happens? And certain things, like we block out time now, like we'll block out time where me and Emma will have, right, we've got three weeks and we're not booking any, any work there. Whatever happens will be a no work zone, which I think is really important, you know, and that, that can be problematic because suddenly something really amazing will come up every fucking time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? The best and job ever. Be, yeah, best job ever will yeah, come yeah, up. Yeah. Like, no, do you know what? This is really important. And, um, and I've, I've blocked it out. And mm. that's why I've been deranged asshole for the last three months to get to this point where I can go, okay, this is time, you know? So um, I think those are really important. But for me looking at it and going, 
why am I doing this? What is this serving me? You know, why am I, why am I working out like this? Why am I become fixated on diet and nutrition, which can be a real problem for me? Um, why am I doing this? What is it? What is it fixing that I need fixing? You know, rather than is it fixing that or is it fixing something else that I haven't dealt with? Mm. You know, and, and do you just need to actually? I mean, I'm talking about myself here. Have acceptance of that thing rather than fixing it. Like, yeah. I can't do this, or I'm not good at that, or that happened in the past is usually a thing for me, and I can't change that. Yeah. And it's just like, find the peace in exactly. it somewhere, Except and it's hard. Things I cannot change, you yeah. know, which is a big thing. Big I try thing. to fucking change everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and I can't, you know. Yeah, I really, I really struggle with that sometimes. I really try to fix everything, when actually, mm. you know, knowing that that happened and that was then. Also, for me, I have a lot of things that happened to me when I was a kid. And, I, and, I, and I, I would go around in my head for a long time and ruminate on them until I realized that I'm not that kid anymore. You know, I'm not that. Like, that happened to that guy, you know, not to this guy. How would this guy deal with that? Mm. You know, and you probably have a lot of empathy and compassion and to that little guy, you know, like, um, and kind of looking back at it and going, okay, actually, well, that's, I'm no longer that. Mm. I can set that free because it's no longer me. You know, that's definitely that was, one of the most powerful therapies that I've done or, or practices within therapy where you go back to and we'll probably all have a, a specific age of ourselves that either you went through something and you were the victim of something or, or you reacted badly to something or you did something that you massively regret mm. I've definitely got both of those things mm. and and rather than rejecting I used to reject my I was embarrassed of my old self absolutely I was mortified about what I, who I was, what I looked like. I wanted to reject all of it. And the best thing any of us can do is go back and like gather that younger version of ourselves up and like give them a hug and yeah. go, come here. Mm. Like that for me was profound. I still find it very hard to even yeah. imagine doing that. I, I did a therapy which was that exact thing. Mm. And, um, and, um, and it, was, it was so heavy heavy like the heaviest thing i've ever done yeah to the point where there was there was one that i knew that i could go to if i wanted to and i haven't ever gone there because mm. i just i had such a hard time dealing with the the second um, session that um that i was too scared to go there again but it was really eye-opening for me to kind of go okay that was that was that little kid that was that scared you know fragile person and i'm not that anymore you know, I'm, I'm me and, 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 and I would deal with that differently and I would think differently of the actions that I took. Yeah. And I do think differently of the actions I took because I, I, was, I was not equipped for that situation and that was perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, and, and anybody else who was me would deal with that situation exactly the same. Yeah. That's a, exactly, it's about having compassion and kind of like, yep. and looking at things a bit differently, you know, which is, um, which is hard but, but beautiful. It is, it yeah. is absolutely beautiful. And I loved recently that you had a seven-day digital detox that turned into eight months. That was a great moment. That's a typical addict behaviour. Like, where's Matt gone? Yeah. Yeah. That's literally yeah. gone. And then yeah. you pop back up. Hey, guys. Yeah. That was eight months. How are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Well, that must have been a brilliant time of reflection, and I'm it was, imagining it was, it was, a bit it was of peace. amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. Like, um, like Dr. Rong and Chatterjee did it. Yeah. yeah. He did a seven-day, and he did it for 30 days. And after seven days, I, I did it for seven days, and I thought, you know, because what was happening, I was in, I was in a musical, and um, I have this routine that I did to kind of get myself ready for the next scene. 
And there was a lot of time when I was off stage and I'd be in my dressing room and I'd be preparing myself to go back on stage. And slowly but surely, that became walking off stage, picking up my phone and scrolling and hearing my cue, putting my phone down and walking on stage and doing it. And I was like, this isn't what I'm here to do. I'm, I've taken this job to get better and I'm not getting better. I'm just wasting my time. And it was a real kind of like, what am I doing? You know, so I was like, right, okay, I'll do seven days. Not wanting to say out loud that I wanted to do 30 days because I didn't want to do seven days and come back after 12 and go, sorry. You know? <laughs> but, um, but I thought, right, okay, I'm going to say I'm doing seven days with every intention of doing 30. Then it got to a month and I was like, well, life is better. <laughs> like, miraculously, like, I don't miss it. I don't miss anything about it. And my relationship with that thing was bad. You know, I must say bad. It was not good for me. Yeah. You know, it was very much about comparison, you know, very much about comparing, looking at that, buying shit I didn't need, you know, all the fucking time. Yeah. You know, and um and I was like, right, okay, this is not this is not good for me. This is not serving me. So I I put it down and then I kind of tried to really look at what I wanted from that. You know, what is this thing that we've discovered that we now have in our lives that is so massive to humanity apparently like what is this thing what is the reason for it and it made me ask really interesting questions about what i wanted from that and what what do i want from that well you have to have it for work matt do i do i because i haven't had it for work for eight months and everything's been fine mm. you know what what do i want this to be and i'm like right okay everything about me is some way linked to addiction in one way or another everything that i do I find myself tracing it back to some kind of drink or drug problem or a new addiction which I picked up. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'm going to use that for that. And I'm just going to kind of use this as a kind of purpose to kind of, to kind of help me in a way that I'm going to check who I follow. I'm not going to do this thing. Yep. I'm only going to post stuff which I think is going to help someone or help me or remind me of something that I need to be checking out. You know, it was really, um, it was a really great, experience yeah i think no. that's the thing isn't it we can't sit there sort of going oh social media is terrible let's sort of blame it or whatever it's how we're using it like you've just described exactly. and if we know we're using it with good intention and i'm not saying that i always do sometimes i will sit there remember when my kids were really small and they'd wake up at like four and you'd go oh no i can't start my day at four this is yeah, all yeah, and i yeah. would go i'll buy myself some shoes and then everything's going to be okay absolutely and you'd yeah, buy yeah. the shoes yeah. and then you'd end up scrolling and and, you know, I certainly have used it over the years as distraction and all those sorts of things, numbing, comparison, certainly. Yeah. We've all done that, my God. Mm. But I think if you are using it, you can forge a beautiful connection, an amazing sense of community that I certainly feel this weekend with all of you brilliant people that have showed up today and, and have a similar uh, intention and desire for how you want to feel after today. Mm. And it can be really brilliant. But I think, again, it goes back to discipline. Who am I following? Who am I secretly muting? Um, <laughs> come on. Um, what am I posting? Is, is there any point to it? All those sorts of things, I yeah. think, are really valid because it is so huge. It's a huge, huge part of all of our lives. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about theatre, because this has been this amazing trajectory that you're, you're on. Um, and you're about to start a new show, or have you started your new show? Um, no, we've got our first preview on Tuesday. Gosh, yeah. so how are you feeling about that? Um, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, terrifyingly good. Um, uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a play called 222. It's a ghost story. And it's, um, I've wanted to do a play for years. I've never done one because I was always quite shy of doing a play for some reason because it was like, you know, proper acting. 
you know, and it kind of, um, and it scared me a little bit, but like, um, it's been, it's been a beautiful experience, an amazing experience. And once again, this leads back a little bit to taking responsibility because a few years ago, about five years ago, I was kind of going for acting jobs, going for acting jobs and not getting them, getting close sometimes, but not quite getting them and blaming everybody else, kind of going, well, you know, the cast director thinks Busted suck, or, you know, I think that's some guy from Busted, what does he know? You know, when really they don't give a shit, they just want you to be good. You know, they want you to be right for the part. I was like, maybe I'm not getting it because I'm not good enough. You know, and that was a real hard thing for me to take, yeah. you know. And so I was like, right, okay, I need to study. I need to go back to drama school. And I went back to drama school for two years at 34 um, in a class for the 20 year olds. And I was like, oh, you know, but, um, <laughs> but it, was, it, was, it was exactly what I needed to yeah. be, exactly where I needed to be. And I learned so much. My teacher was a horrifying man. Um, who was exactly who I needed to be in yeah. the room with. I hated him for six months, eight months maybe. And, and I'd walk on stage and we, we'd start to work and he'd sit there and he'd look at me and just go, which was jazz hands. Oh. Like, and like, I mean, I fucking, it would cripple me like with, with fear. And he was right, you know. And sometimes he'd stop it and go, stop, 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 sorry, are you, are you entertained? So everyone, are you, oh. are you enjoying this performance? Because all I cry. see is a I performance. I know, and it was, it was horrible to hear. Oh. But it was exactly what I needed yeah, to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then I was like, because I hated him for it, and I'd come on stage and I'd, I'd hate that man. But actually, what I was hating was the fact that he was right and I was doing those things. And, and I took everything I could from it and I kind of learned loads. And since then, things have been going much better. So sometimes I think it's about, you know, I was blaming everyone else or every other scenario or blaming my band which had given me everything you know for the reason I wasn't getting everything else you know when actually it was probably just the fact that I wasn't quite ready or wasn't quite good enough you know and um and and now I, I I treat every every audition every job as a chance to go and play and have fun I don't think about the job I don't ever think I'm gonna get it you know which is sometimes really hard because some of them I really want but I'm like I really want this but I'm not gonna get it I'm gonna go in there and do whatever I can to get something from this experience. And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And sometimes I walk out and hate myself a little bit. But most of the time I get something from it which I needed to get, yeah. you know. And, um, and every job I get now, I, I, I do it because I, I, want to, I want to get better, I want to learn. I don't want anything else from it, which is brilliant. It is, well it's the best goal because it's never ending. You yeah. can never have learned it all. You can never master acting. No, or, but anything I don't think. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's any, end point to anything. Mm. I think the end point, if you do get there, is boredom. Because you go, well, I've done that. I'm really good at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you just want to keep yeah. going, I could learn more, I could be better. And I think that's the best goal ever, rather Absolutely, than yeah. when I get to the pinnacle of my thing, I'll feel amazing. No, you won't. There'll be another thing. Uh, There'll be another been, one above it. That's been my experience Endless. every time. Once I, once I get this job, I'll be enough. Yeah, you know, and then you feel like And I'm like, I've got the job, and I feel riddled with self yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> You know, so, it's a so, horrible lesson yeah, to learn yeah, again. And again. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It is a but look, well, lesson. look, I wish you all the luck with your play starting. Thank you it's very much. It's brilliant what you're doing. I love uh, everything you've said today has been massively helpful to me, and I'm, I'm sure everyone sat here and, and, and people listening to this when we put this podcast out. So thank you for being so honest and, and for sharing today and for being here. Please give it up Thanks for Matt for Willis, me. everyone. Thank you, guys. Oh, God, Matt, that was just the best, getting to share the stage with you at the festival. I'm so, so grateful. And 
So brilliant to get to see all of your faces in the audience completely wrapped up in Matt's stories and thoughts. It was a beautiful thing. If you were there, you'll already know this, but if you weren't at Tatton Park, the tent was full to the brim, people bursting out the side, sitting on deck chairs and bean bags on the grass outside, lapping up everything that Matt had to say. So Matt, thank you so much for your time and so much good luck with 222, a ghost story. I'm so excited to see you in that play. I've got to come along and watch. Another live episode coming your way tomorrow. Tomorrow! So exciting. Another one. Oh, and by the way, if you were at one of our Happy Place festivals and heard these gorgeous conversations in real life, do let us know who you loved over on our Instagram, at Happy Place Official. I've been loving seeing all your pictures and the reels that you've made of the festival. Honestly, it's made my heart burst. Massive thank you again to Matt, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you blimmin' gorgeous lot. I love you loads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.